Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for October 25th, 2017. So anybody who played NBA last night, it, it was a disaster. Like That's about as bad as a slate could be. Jimmy Butler was scratched after lock. Anthony Davis got hurt three minutes into the game, which there's never anything you can do about that. There was just a bunch of just weird games and duds that existed. So I'm in favor of late swap existing. I, I like it a lot. I know that a lot of people like it. I know that a lot of people from DraftKings have been saying that the majority users don't want late swap, which I call bullshit on. I don't think that's true. Uh, I know if you go on Twitter, it's full of people who say they're pro late swap. I don't think it's as much in favor of late swap as what Twitter makes it out to be. But I would still think, like, if there was some kind of accurate polling done, I would say it's probably, like, 70-30, based on really nothing, just a guess, in favor of late swap existing. So if you really want to support late swap like I do, I know that the, the contests in the DraftKings and FanDuel lobby are shit right now. They suck. Like, you look at them, and they're not very appealing. The regular, late, the regular non-late swap contests are much bigger prize pools, and that's why everybody's entering them. But just put a couple of lineups into the late swap, prize contest just because it, it supports them and then i think there's a better chance of them existing going forward the reason they aren't growing is because they aren't filling the reason they aren't filling is because they're way undersized people have no interest in them just go and put like one or two lineups into them each night and then hopefully they will start filling and then they'll say like okay we need to we need to start making these bigger and hopefully that's where it goes so i think that's i think that's one thing that we can do to really support late swap existing is just playing the tournaments uh, I haven't been doing it, and I'm going to start doing it because of tonight, because it just gets annoying, and I would like Late Swap to exist. There's nothing we can do about Jimmy Butler. It happened to be with Dennis Smith Jr. last week. So I'm I'm going to do at least the little thing that I can to try to get the Late Swap going. Uh, so for tomorrow's slate, the first game on the slate is the Jimmy Butler game. It is the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Detroit Pistons. And there's a lot up in the air right now because Butler obviously has that respiratory infection. We don't know what his status is for tomorrow. My guess is that he isn't going to play, but I'm not really totally sure. If he isn't able to go, Jamal Crawford ended up playing a decent amount of minutes off the bench. He had a lot of usage. uh, So he's somebody who would get a pretty decent boost if Butler isn't able to play. Carl Anthony Towns would get a huge usage boost. Uh, Andrew Wiggins would get a big usage boost. And I think that Wiggins could end up going pretty – well, actually, Wiggins 7,200, so that's probably too expensive for him anyway. But I think Towns at 8,600, that's a really strong play if Butler isn't able to go. And then from the Detroit side of the game, as the price is low, my internet has just been shit tonight. It's been so slow. So it's, every, it's, everything's it's annoying, a mess it's annoying things on top of annoying things. Everything's going poorly tonight. It sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit to comment also on the late swap thing before we get into more of these games and the Minnesota game. Um, I know that a lot of people, well, everything you were saying about people saying that they want late swap and not playing it makes sense. The reason people aren't playing late swap is because the contests are too small and there's just no there's no way you can win a ton of money in them and people want to play for the upside and the big prize pools and everything like that. But I think what most casual players don't realize is that late swap hurts them. Because the better players, the guys who use algorithms, the guys that really know what they're doing, all the experts that are in the contests, you know, the, the real pros, those guys are adjusting or more apt to adjust to the late injury news than the average person. So in a situation like Jimmy Butler being out, 
the average person will know, okay, Butler's out. I can switch him out of my lineup now. But what they don't usually do is say what you were just saying about the games for uh, this Pistons game is, what is the impact of Butler being out? Who can I use now? And I think the sharper players will switch up their entire lineups and they'll use more of Carl Anthony Towns. They'll use Wiggins, maybe even Jamal Crawford. So that's that's where uh, the average person is getting beat. And that's even assuming that the average person is checking, which isn't always the case. I think a lot of casual players will just set their lineups and then leave them at 7 o'clock for the rest of the night and just, just not look. So they may not even be taking advantage of the ability to swap. So... I don't know. I guess it's it's a weird public service announcement that you're doing uh, support late swap on DraftKings so the contests can grow, or maybe DraftKings will decide to make it universal. I don't necessarily know if I want it to be universal, although it's certainly very annoying. Uh, it kind of seems strange to say after a night like tonight where Jimmy Butler screwed us all over, though uh, with Anthony Davis, we couldn't have done anything. And actually, I just saw a tweet from a uh, from Pelican's beat writer saying that Davis might have actually injured himself in warmups. So more bad reporting by NB- the NBA teams. I don't know why, if Davis was hurt in warmups, I'm not even sure what we would have done about that anyway, because it would have been after lock also. Uh, so hopefully that this upcoming slate isn't anything like last night. And with that being said, going to the Minnesota Detroit game, we'll have to see what's going on with Jimmy Butler because there is a potential boost to a lot of different players. Yeah, and then just from the Pistons side of the game, uh, Reggie Jackson still only at 6,000. I think that he's a fine play. Andre Drummond's 7,900. Can't really use him in cash just because of the variance of his game and how often he gets in foul trouble. The matchup against Carl Anthony Towns is definitely a matchup where we could see Drummond get in foul trouble, but he always is upside, so he works as a GPP play. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on this game, Matt? Uh, what are your thoughts on Stanley Johnson for this matchup? Um, no thanks. So... <laughs> Stanley Johnson, it, here's here's one of the issues with Stanley Johnson. He played 40 minutes on opening night. He hurt his back the next night. He's not played those minutes since. And he's also been terrible all year. Like, it's always appealing to have somebody who's close to a minimum price who plays 40 minutes. But now he's playing under 20 minutes and ineffective. So that's, like, a no thanks across the board for me. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to swear off Stanley Johnson, but I'm not using him yet, at least, until he actually starts playing well. And it's not like... It's not like he's min price or anything. He costs 3800 on DraftKings, so he is cheap, but I won't call him a value play. And then I think I agree with you on Drummond. He could be worth some consideration, but it is a tough matchup. So if Butler's out, I'm definitely going to use a lot of Carl Anthony Towns and then maybe some other Wolves guys. But would you go with Jimmy Butler if, let's say, he's a game-time decision? Because we will actually know whether or not he's playing before lock, presumably, because this game is a 7 o'clock start. So do you think there's a risk, let's say, Butler is on a minutes restriction or leaves the game early because this respiratory infection is still bothering him? Well, here's the thing. He actually had a really similar virus last season, and he tried to play through it, and he lasted three minutes into the first quarter and then just checked out and said, I can't play with it. So there is a definite risk of him saying, I could go, I could go trying to play, and then he tries to play and isn't able to do it because it happened last season. That is fair. So if Butler has that sort of situation again where he's active and he's trying to play, but it's clear that it could be an issue, or if they just say he's active and there's no other information beyond that, because we do know that he's dealing with this thing already. Um, In that scenario, I think Carl Anthony Towns is probably the only player that I end up using from this game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I can't see myself using Butler unless it's literally a thing we get very clear information early in the morning, which I doubt is going to happen. 
that Jimmy Butler is 100% he's definitely playing. Like, my expectation is that he does not play tomorrow night. So the next game on the slate is the Denver Nuggets at the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Nikola Jokic still need 8,900. He was much better in the last game as his first decent game of the season. Usage rating was all the way up at 30%. Other thing, he played 35 minutes after only playing 30 minutes the game before. Um, I could definitely get on board with Jokic at 8,900. 3,900, I would definitely get on board with him. 8,900, I think that he's a solid play. I think it's a really tough cover for Dwight Howard. Paul Millsap at 6,700. I think that's a little cheap for him. Nobody else from Denver that I really have that much interest in. Uh, Gary Harris at 5,000 maybe isn't bad, but not really a great play. From the Charlotte Hornets side of the game, as my internet still loads the pricing, Michael Kidd Gilchrist is only 4,500. He is expected to play, but we're not sure of the minutes right now. The, the Hornets have said that they may be restricting uh, MKG's minutes when he comes back. He's missed the first three games of the year. He also missed the end of the preseason due to the death of his grandmother. He's been away from the team for three weeks now. They say he's not really in game shape. So I think they, him at 4,500 in an up-paced game for Charlotte, or at least what should be an up-paced game for Charlotte, would be a good value. But I think that there's a pretty good chance those minutes are restricted, are restricted so that would have me off them. Frank Kaminsky at 5,000. I think he's a really good play. Cody Zeller's out again, so that should be more minutes for Kaminsky. And then I also think that Kemba Walker at 7,700. Denver, one of the worst teams in the league guarding point guards last year. They should also be one of the worst teams defending point guards this year. So Kemba Walker's a strong play at 7,700. And then even Dwight Howard at 7,100. As much as I love Nikola Jokic, he's one of the weaker defensive centers in the league. Dwight Howard is a much more physical player than him. I think this could be a big game for Howard, who has gotten off to a pretty good start so far in Charlotte and has had a couple of really big games. He had 22 rebounds in the last game. I think he's had at least 15 rebounds in every game so far this year. So I think that Howard is a strong play. So there's no one in this game really that I think is a great cash play except for maybe Frank Kaminsky, who you mentioned. Um, Jokic, you've talked about in previous podcast being kind of a GPP only guy for you, at least in this stage of the season where the Nuggets haven't really figured out their usage. They haven't figured out, I guess, their team chemistry yet with how their new roster construction will look with Paul Millsap. So I'm definitely off the Nuggets for cash. I think that they're interesting for GPP, but the Vegas information for this game is a little interesting. So the line is moving towards Denver already, and it's massively public sentiment. The sharp money does look to be on Charlotte, and it kind of makes sense because the Hornets looked, um, the Hornets haven't looked particularly good this year, and I guess the Nuggets just had a really dominant offensive game in uh, Washington, so I'm not really sure actually why there's so much public sentiment on the Nuggets, but uh, it could just be how well Jokic played, so I would guess his ownership, given all of that, is pretty high. I'm not overly concerned about it, given the size of the slate, but I am a little bit concerned about it. So my GPP flyers, I think I'm more inclined to go with the guys you mentioned on Charlotte, like Kemba Walker and Dwight Howard, and maybe some exposure to Jokic. But I do like Frank Kaminsky as a safer play either way. Yeah, I think I think Kaminsky, solid. And yeah, just I agree with all that. Um, I think that I, one of the things also that I brought up the other day is that the Denver Nuggets 
have been playing, or at least at the time, they've been playing at the second slowest pace in the NBA of any team. It was only through a couple of games, so a little bit of a small sample size. But it does at least appear that with Millsap, they're going to be slightly slower team. So I think that that could be some of the reason for the Vegas info. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's got to that's be at least part of it, too. This is definitely a situation to monitor, though, because it's a little bit unclear what's going on with that line movement as of now. So the next game on the slate, this is going to be a really fun league pass game to watch. It is the Houston Rockets at the Philadelphia 76ers. So James Harden from the Rockets side of the game, 11,600. Harden is going to be my favorite player to pay up for on the slate, I think. Um, although I'm not sure that I'm even going to go all the way up to Harden. Uh, but either way, I think Harden definitely in play for cash games. There's nobody else who I really like on Houston. I think Ryan Anderson is worth a GPP look because he's had really weird home road splits on the Rockets where he shot really poorly from three at home, but he shot really well from three on the road. I don't know what the reasoning is for that, but it's just something that's happened. And we've speculated that it has to do with the color, the colors in the in the in their arena, right? Like you can't shoot with all the red in the background. Is that potentially what's going on? I mean, I was making that up, but maybe. I don't know. I was, I was just trying to think of any possible reason for it. But the other thing is also Ryan Anderson is only 4200 which is just cheap for somebody who does have his scoring ability. Uh, we saw on opening night against Golden State, he had a pretty big game. He went over 30 fantasy points in a pretty tough matchup. I, I think that this could be a pretty good spot for Ryan Anderson at 4200 to put up a big game. And then from the Sixer side of the game, I think this is way too cheap of a price for Joel Embiid, only all the way down at eight thousand. Uh, ben Simmons is eighty eight hundred. I think that's a reasonably fair price. He's averaging a little over forty four fantasy points per game, and it's a plus matchup. So for Simmons, I'm not exactly sure what. To, like we've only seen him play for four games in the NBA. He appears to be very, very good. But is he going to be a guy who's kind of priced in the eight thousand range? I think he could potentially be somebody who's in the ten thousand plus range just because he's a very DFS-friendly game. But just because of his price being up, like, really quickly, it got all the way up to 8800 and I think that coming off his first career triple-double, he's going to be very chalky. I think he's going to have a lot of GPP ownership. I'm going to be off him for now and just kind of hope that he doesn't have another monster game. And then nobody else really too exciting for me from the Philadelphia side of the game. Although one thing I, I will add is that uh, Markel Fultz apparently has some weird shoulder injury. Like, there's very vague information on it. This is why I wrote a joke about this earlier on Twitter. If you're the Sixers, there's no incentive to ever play one of your rookies the year you draft them now. This is what happens when you draft your rookies and you play them the first year. Markel Fultz gets injured right out of the gate. It'll never happen again. So, if Markel Fultz isn't able to play with that weird shoulder injury, then I think Jared Bayless at 4,000 has a lot of value because he's going to have to play a lot of minutes. Uh, but other than that, I think Embiid's a strong play. Bayless could potentially be a strong play if Fultz doesn't go. And then uh, nothing really else for this game, even though it, it should be really high scoring. So one player that you didn't mention is Clint Capella. And I know you're usually against opposing centers going against Embiid. And I do think Embiid is a strong value play also. But the way that Embiid, uh, the way the Sixers structure his minutes, he's not matching up with the opposing center for that much of the game because he's three minutes on, three minutes off. They kind of just take him in and out of the lineup throughout the whole game. He doesn't play for that many minutes in a row. So Capella probably won't be on the court with him for that much of his time. And Capella also correlates really strongly with James Harden, especially with Chris Paul not playing, because 
well, you can see it directly, the alley-oops that Harden throws to Capella. And uh, I think if you're using Harden, and I do agree that Harden is a really strong value guy to pay up for, um, I think he's probably my favorite value amongst the really expensive guys. If you're using Harden, I think it does make sense to use Capella with him, and especially so if you're stacking this game. So do you think it's there's there's sort of a negative correlation playing Capella against Embiid in the same lineup where one of them might get the other into foul trouble, or do you think that it makes sense to use them together because they may not be on the, on the court at the same time that often? I mean, I just think I'm off Capella for tomorrow. The other thing is also, like, Capella also plays really limited minutes. Capella's games played by uh, game by game this year, 18 minutes, 28 minutes, 21 minutes, 24 minutes. So he starts the game, he's only going to be on the court against Embiid for a lot, of this, a lot of the stretch that he's on the floor. Has Capella been in foul trouble in those games, or are they just not playing him a lot of minutes? No, that's kind of the standard. Um, I mean, last year he only played 23 minutes a night. Okay. Um, I guess I guess that's fair then. So as for everyone else, I like Harden, Ryan Anderson. Yeah, it's just cheap for him and should be a very up-tempo game. Ben Simmons I think I won't use at all. The GPP fade, high ownership like you mentioned, I think he'll be maybe the highest-owned player considering the triple-double that he just had, and he's just been really good to start the season. So I think I'm off Simmons. I think he would make for a fine cash play, but there are just better values, I think. So I probably won't have any exposure there. So the guys to use from this game, I think it's just Harden, Anderson, Embiid, and then if Fultz doesn't play, Bayless. Is that is there anyone else, or you think that's all the guys? No, that's it for now. The uh, So the next game is the Cleveland Cavaliers of the Brooklyn Nets. And LeBron James, currently it looks like he's questionable to play. I think he's more likely to play than not, except he's far from a guarantee to play. He rolled an ankle towards the end of tonight's game. And in a post-game interview, he said that it was definitely bothering him. He was pretty banged up and he was going to have to sit in the ice bath all night. So due to tomorrow being a road game, the second half of a back-to-back, they're playing the Nets. This is definitely a spot where even if LeBron is, say, like 90% or even if he's like 100%, except there's a little bit of concern, I could see them holding him out anyway. So if LeBron does play, he's at 10,400 against the Nets. That would be a really strong play. If he sits, there's so much value that's going to be uh, – so much just usage is going to be spread around the, the Cavs. So Kevin Love at 7,600, he probably becomes my favorite play on the slate. Jay Crowder, 4,900, he would become a really strong play. Tristan Thompson, he'd probably get another start at 4,000. He'd be a strong play. J.R. Smith at 4,000. Jeff Green all the way down at 3,000. All these guys just become awesome plays if LeBron can't play. We just aren't going to know that information until closer to game time. And then from the Brooklyn side of the, of the game, it's really hard to figure out who to play from Brooklyn. So even tonight, like, D'Angelo Russell had a ridiculous game per minute. But his fantasy point total, he put up about 40 fantasy points, which was fine for his price, 7,800, but it's not some, like, crazy good game. And he played under 30 minutes again. Everybody on the Nets played under 30 minutes. And I just think this is going to be the issue with them going forward is – they play a deep bench. Nobody plays a ton of minutes. So for cash games, this is a team I'm just going to kind of avoid. I think Karis LeVert at 5,100, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at 5,000. I think they have some upside at those prices. But this is not a side of the game that I'm crazy about rostering. There's 10 games on the slate. I'd rather look for somebody who I feel more comfortable with playing a lot of minutes. So if LeBron plays, I think there's no one from this game that I would use in cash. I uh, definitely agree with the, your Nets analysis, but if LeBron sits, there are so many Cavs guys. I mean, you could 
you could probably make a cash lineup that's just only Cleveland players or just as many Cleveland players as DraftKings will allow you to put in the lineup. So if LeBron sits, there's just enormous value. But if we assume LeBron plays, I think the only guy I would end up using from the Cavs for GPP is Kevin Love. I would imagine you wouldn't, his, you wouldn't use LeBron. I'm not sure because I well maybe maybe for GPPs I wouldn't use him for cash because on the with the ankle injury and it being his second game of a back to back. I think his minutes probably will end up just being a little lower because they'll be cautious with him. There's also a decent amount of blowout risk here, although that, that may be a little bit overblown because the Cavs just have not played well this year and they probably will continue to not play well. It's just isn't a great roster. Uh, but I, I guess that what I'm saying is I prefer Kevin Love as a GPP play to LeBron if both are on the court, uh, given the expected ownership. And I think Kevin Love is just a better deal for his price. Yeah, I think, I mean, Kevin Love, 7,600, that could definitely end up being the guy who I have the most exposure to if LeBron sits. So the next game on the slate, Spurs at the Heat. Not really a lot of interest in this game. There's nobody I really like from the Spurs side of the game. From the Heat side of the game, Deion Waiters is currently questionable. He also has an ankle injury. And the injury to Waiters is a real concern because he missed uh, something like the last 20, 15 to 20 games or so of the season last year with an ankle injury. I believe that it was recommended that he get surgery, except it wasn't a necessity, so he could kind of try to rehab it. And he didn't get the surgery. He opted to just rehab it without going under the knife. And it seems like the injuries popped up again this year. He was questionable to play the other day. He ended up playing. And now he's questionable again tomorrow night. I think this ankle injury is going to be an issue for him all season. I think it's going to be really tough for him to stay healthy. If he can't play, Goran Drogic all the way down at 6,300. Whiteside's also been ruled out. Drogic could be in for just a, a, a monster usage game. Josh, Richard, Josh Richardson's 5,400. I think that's okay. Not really a great price. I think kind of fair for him against a tough Spurs defense. And then if Waiters isn't able to play, Tyler Johnson is going to have a much bigger role in the offense. So Tyler Johnson could potentially move into the starting lineup. If he starts at 4,300, I think he's a good value play. But I think Drogic at 6,300 could be really strong if Waiters doesn't play. Do you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, just to go back to the last game quickly, uh, the other, the last thing I was going to add on LeBron is that part of the reason I don't think I'll end up using him is because I just prefer James Harden. So it's just hard to build a lineup with both guys. But as for uh, this current game, yeah, I, I do agree with most of what you're saying. I think I like Drogic only if Waiter sits. It is a cheaper price for him than what he's been this year, but it's also a slow-paced game and a tough matchup. So I really like Drogic if Waiters isn't playing, but I probably don't like him at all if Waiters is. And I think I would also like Deion Waiters at 5,100. I think that that's probably too cheap for him. But even if he's playing, given his injury uh, questionable status, it's hard to trust him to finish out the game and be at full strength. So I think I'm off Waiters, and I'm probably off everyone else on the Heat, uh, except for Tyler Johnson if he's starting. That would be a good value play too. But guys like James Johnson and Josh Richardson have been really, really high-owned for GPPs this year. And I think it's pretty conceivable that they would have a dud going against the Spurs in this very potentially low-scoring game. So I'm going to say probably a complete fade of both sides of the game, unless Waiter sits, and then it would be Drogic and maybe Johnson. Uh, so the next game that we have for the slate is the Indiana Pacers against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think there's a ridiculous amount of blowout risk in this game. Miles Turner's out. The Pacers are on the second half of a back-to-back going on the road in Oklahoma City. The Thunder should be one of the stronger teams in the league this year. 
So the Pacer side of the game is probably a fade for me. And then even the Thunder side of the game is also a fade for me. So Russell Westbrook is 11,400. It's a very plus matchup for him against the Pacers just because they've been really bad on defense this year. They were really bad on defense last year. But Russell Westbrook, his usage is way down this year. So Westbrook has a usage rating of 28.6 through three games this year. Uh, by game, uh, 28%, 25%, 31% usage rating. He only had four games all of last year under 31% usage rating, and three of them came in the final month of the season while they were resting. So he's already matched that number through three games. So I just think he's going to have a much lesser workload this year with Carmelo Anthony and Paul George added to the team. So Russell Westbrook is a no thanks for me at 11,400. Paul George at 8,000. I think people are going to want to roster him because it's like, oh, revenge narrative playing against his former team. I think just too much blowout risk for me to use in cash games. And then even from a GPP perspective also, I think Paul George is going to have a lesser usage for the season playing alongside Westbrook. So 8,000 is a little bit more than I want to pay for him. Yeah, definitely off this game for cash. And I think this is the type of game that would normally make for a decent GPP scenario. Kind of similar to the Cavs-Bulls game from Tuesday night where ownership could be low because the public perceives a lot of blowout risk and then stays off both sides of the game. But I don't think that's really the case here because the Thunder, their big three, are generally very high-owned players, especially Russell Westbrook. But the Pacers did just beat the Wolves by, I think, 23 points in Minnesota. So there could be some recency bias there where the public views the Pacers as a competitive team without Miles Turner. And I don't think that we'll get that benefit from low ownership for the potential blowout risk. So I agree that there is a ton of blowout risk. And I think that we actually are probably on the side of thinking the blowout risk is higher even than the public thinks. So there's not really any upside there for GPP if the guys are high owned. And I think that the ownership on especially Darren Collison and Victor Oladipo, who had huge games Tuesday night, will be high enough that you're not really uh, you're not really going that contrarian to pick them. So I, I think I'm off this game entirely for both cash and GPP. So the next game I'm definitely off entirely, that is the Memphis Grizzlies at the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I believe the third slowest and the slowest paced team in the NBA last year. This is about as down pace of a matchup as you can get. The Dallas Mavericks also, uh, they're shit, they're just a sucky team. So I'm <laughs> totally off this game. Is there... Anybody that you have any interest in from there, Matt? Nope. Uh, and the total for this game has actually already dropped from 196 to 194 and a half. So a little bit of sharp money on the under from what was already a really low total. This is not going to be a high-scoring game. I mean, sometimes games have low totals and go over by a lot, but there's just almost no potential for that in this game. It's going to be slow, and unless it goes to double or triple overtime or something, there's not going to be much fantasy value to be had. So. I think that there's probably not even a single player that's worth mentioning here. So, yeah, totally agree. Next game on the slate, Utah Jazz at the Phoenix Suns. I'm not going to roster anybody on Phoenix playing against Utah. That's just a brutal matchup. I know Mike James played really well the other night, and he's still reasonably priced. Devin Booker in most games at 6,900 with Bledsoe out, that would be a yay for me. But it is a nay against the Utah Jazz, who are the probably the best defensive team in the NBA. Ricky Rubio and Rudy Gobert, very oddly cheap for this game. 6800 for Rubio, 7500 for Gobert. I know it's a road game on the second half of back-to-back. This is a really plus matchup in an up-pace game for the Jazz. So 
yeah, I, I really like them. I think they're really strong plays. And then I think Donovan Mitchell at 3,800 could become a pretty interesting play if Rodney Hood is ruled out again. He's questionable again for tomorrow. He wasn't able to play tonight, and Mitchell started in his place. Mitchell, good punt play at 3,800 if he's in the starting lineup. Yeah, I definitely agree with your uh, with your analysis on the Utah side at least. Rubio and Gobert look like strong plays. I think maybe they're being priced down because it's the second half of a back-to-back. So maybe that's going to the pricing algorithm. I'm not sure, but they definitely are too cheap. Um, on the Suns, though, I think there could be some upside, especially if this game ends up being a blowout. I don't think there's a ton of blowout risk here, but the Jazz are six-point favorites, although it does look like there may be a little bit of sharp money on the Suns. Um, but the Jazz, I think, are only really strong defensively at center and at point guard now because they do have that gap on the wing without Gordon Hayward. So maybe there's a guy or two from the Suns that you can take advantage of for GBPs, like maybe Josh Jackson, maybe even Devin Booker. For cash games, though, I'm completely off them, and I'm not even sure if it's worth a flyer, kind of just grasping at straws here. So my two favorite guys from the game for sure are Rubio and Gobert. Yeah, another thing also is, as I've brought up, like every single game that they've played together, I expect them to be very strongly correlated together this year. They're going to be running a lot of pick and rolls this year, so... There's going to be a lot of games where Rubio is a monster game and then Gobert has a monster game because Rubio is a monster game because a lot of Rubio's assists are going to go to Gobert this season. And that was what we saw last year. Two of the most highly correlated players in the league were Carl Anthony Towns and Ricky Rubio. I think that him and Gobert are going to have a similar points connection this year. So the next game on the slate, another one with injury information. And this one, because the late game, we might not get the info until right before the game starts, which means that we wouldn't have it at lock. The Toronto Raptors at the Golden State Warriors, this game doesn't have any Vegas information because DeMar DeRozan is currently questionable to play with a bruised thigh. If he isn't able to play, huge usage boost for Kyle Lowry. Uh, pretty decent usage boost for Norman Powell also, who should be more involved. DeLon Wright has been getting more minutes recently. I think that he's a pretty interesting play at 3,900 if DeRozan is able, isn't able to play. Uh, right by game this year, 23 minutes, 31 minutes, 26 minutes. He's also produced fantasy points pretty well. So 3,900, I think that he's a pretty safe bet for 30-plus minutes if DeRozan can't play. And then I have no clue what to expect from the Raptors' big man situation. So Jonas Valanciunas has already been ruled out with the sprained ankle. Lucas Nogueira, who's his backup, Bebe, he was awesome last year. He was one of my favorite players for roster in DFS. He had some monster games uh, filling and starting for Valanciunas at mid-price. He is also questionable to play with a sprained ankle. So if Valanchunas and Bebe are both out, I, I really don't know what their big man rotation is going to look like. I think it could be Ibaka at 5,400. Might just have to play a ton of minutes. So I think that he would be pretty interesting. I think that they might just run him at center and play small to match up with the Warriors. So I think he would become a good play. And then from the Warriors side of the game, it's just kind of business as usual. I don't really think they're playable in cash games because every home game they have is a lot of blowout risk. But all of the big names are in play for GPP. Durant, Curry, Green, Thompson, they're all fine GPP plays. And that's really where I stand. I, I rarely have a ton of Warriors exposure on any given slate unless one of the big ones are out. But I do think that this game makes a little bit of sense for GPP stacks if DeRozan gets ruled out. I think like a Lowry-Abaka combination with say something like Draymond Green and Steph Curry or like Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson, I think that would make sense as like a mini stack for this game. 
So I'm kind of going back and forth on this. Do you think if DeRozan sits, Kyle Lowry is a good enough cash play? Because he certainly would have the usage bump for it, but there also would then be a lot more blowout risk. So how do you weigh that with more blowout risk, but also Lowry should do a lot better on a permanent basis without DeRozan there? Yeah, that's that's uh, it's interesting. I think that Lowry also Lowry hasn't played very well to start the year from a fantasy points perspective, so his price is way down. So I think that he would just be a really strong play. Like I think there is some minimal blowout risk, but I think that be, well, actually more than minimal blowout risk, pretty decent blowout risk. But because of how much his prices come down and with the usage boost, I, I still think that he'd be a strong cash play. Well, at the very least, I definitely think he's a really strong GPP play. DeLon Wright also, I think, maybe even is a good cash play without DeRozan because uh, a younger player in a blowout, he'd probably still see the court in the fourth quarter, even if they are losing by a lot. So right for both cash and GPP, if DeRozan's not playing, I think would be a good pick. And then for the Warriors, I guess kind of hard to use them in cash. Um, Do you think DeRozan being out makes them less viable for cash? Yes, definitely. Like so, the blowout risk would the blowout risk would just be huge. But I guess there's probably a ton of blowout risk anyway, even if DeRozan is in. Yeah, but there's more if he doesn't play. Yeah, that well, yeah, that is that is fair. Uh, and I guess there's also just blowout risk in any Warriors game, especially at home against basically any team. So the final game on the slate, the late game hammer, <laughs> the Washington Wizards at the. Los Angeles Lakers. Do you know that you this call game, them the Wizards like that? In that, for some reason, that pronunciation every time you say them. Are are you aware of that? Uh, moderately. <laughs> okay. So right, the continue. Washington Wizards. They uh, they have a very strong matchup tomorrow night. This game is going to have a ton of points scored. The Lakers played one of the fastest paces in the league last year. They kind of alternated back and forth with the Nets for worst defensive efficiency in the league, and I think that that is also going to be the case again. John Wall, 10200 very, very strong play. I'm surprised Otto Porter's price hasn't come up more. Porter's only at 5900 He's had a couple of monster games this year. He's scoring 43 fantasy points per game this season. He's an awesome play at 5900 John Wall's a strong play at 10200 Bradley Beal at 7300 also a really strong play. Those just feel like really cheap prices for me, considering how many points are expected to be scored in this game. And then from the Lakers side of the game, Brooke Lopez only at 6000 That is ridiculously too cheap for him. Lonzo Ball at 7000 I think is an okay play, but I don't really love the matchup for him against John Wall. That's just a GPP play only for me. And the other one, Contavious Colo Pope at 4700 I think that's a really strong play. Uh, Pope played 31 minutes in the Lakers' last game. He played a ton of minutes last year for the Pacers. He averaged almost 35 minutes a game. I think now that he has one game under his belt with the Lakers, I think we're going to see his minutes start to come up a little bit. And then I think Julius Randle at 4,800 is a very, very risky play. He's not played a lot of minutes this year. He's also not played well this year. But he probably had his best game of the season last time out. And also he played 24 minutes after playing 18 minutes in the opener, 12 and a half minutes in the second game. So we got up to 24 minutes. I wouldn't be shocked to see him as a late inclusion into the starting lineup and to see him at 30-plus minutes. So at 4,800... When last year we saw Randall at times be priced around eight thousand, um, I, I think that there's a lot of upside to his price. It's just a very risky play. I actually don't know if any Lakers player is really viable for cash at all, but I do this. I do think this game makes for a really strong stack, and the spot for the Wizards is also really good. So, if I was looking for cash plays from this game, it would probably just be 
the core guys on the Wizards, but this is definitely a game where you could stack it with a few different combinations and maybe use uh, Gortat, Porter, Ubre, Wall, and Beal in some combination, maybe three or four of those guys, and then just kind of rotate in some some combination of three to four Lakers with them because we really don't know on any given night how the Lakers rotation will shake out. But one guy that I probably, the guy that you mentioned, that I'll probably use in all of those combos is Brooke Lopez just because he's really underpriced. So I'll go back on that a little bit, actually. I think Lopez is a decent cash play. Um, but I guess if Randall's playing a lot, Lopez is probably playing less. So there are a lot of negative correlations with the Lakers team. So which which are the other guys that you probably wouldn't use together? Because I don't think it makes sense to use Lopez and Randall together. It probably doesn't make sense to use Lonzo Ball and Jordan Clarkson together. Are there any other combinations like that that stick out to you? No, not really. I actually, I don't even think Lopez and Randall are that bad, especially because Randall has been coming off the bench, so he isn't playing a lot of the same minutes as Lopez. So I'm I'm fine with them together. And just Randall, somebody who has the upside to be an 8,000 player, was only at 4,800. Like, I'm not too concerned with how he correlates with, with anybody because if he just does happen to start and plays 30-plus minutes, like, I don't have I, – like, I think that he would be a virtual lock to hit value in that situation. I think that's true, too, but I also think that it probably takes a lot of touches away from Lopez. But the other side of that argument is that they're both just underpriced enough that even though they're not positively correlated, they're probably just indifferent to each other. So they're both just strong values, and I guess maybe there isn't really any reason to not use them together. So that's all the games. Do you have anything else to add for the slate, Matt? No, hopefully – well, I guess the one thing to add is hopefully we get some better injury injury luck for this slate because we had some pretty terrible luck. And uh, it was it's, it's getting even worse now because we have the uh, – or at least I have the Blazers-Pelicans game on in the background. And without Anthony Davis playing, DeMarcus Cousins is just going nuts. And I think I used only Davis and zero of DeMarcus Cousins because I thought it was a better matchup for him. So hopefully none of those situations because uh, that's just – it's just really frustrating. And remember uh, Greg's late swap PSA because we really – want to somehow convince DraftKings to switch over to late swap or at least make those contests more viable. Yes, our uh, our 200-plus listeners per episode, that's what's going to make the difference. So right. go might. join those contests, guys. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at DFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense, and we'll be back with a football podcast tomorrow.